You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey, brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking tribe. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in. We are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Editor-in-Chief for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Farm Report Podcast. And uh, Joining me this week, we are actually sans Corey Christian this week. Corey is uh, uh, dealing with a, a, a medical procedure that he's preparing for, and uh, we wish him all the best in that. But filling in this week, uh, the talk prospect is uh, IBAC contributor Justin Lada, and Justin, how's it going? Has your uh, heart restarted yet after watching this Dale Butter Indians win? Yeah, we had to hold off. I, I could not. I don't think I could have done the start of this podcast before the game ended the way things go. Like, I think I'm finally, uh, I've stopped sweating. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Indians definitely uh, definitely uh, uh, had to put the defibrillators on standby for a lot of Tribe fans uh, as uh, they hit. He- Barely hung on for a 5-4 win, but uh, it was a win nonetheless, and uh, after coming back from a 3 nothing deficit, you know, Michael Brantley, Greg Allen, and and uh, who else? Melky Cabrera also went The whole deep. outfield hit a home run tonight. <laughs> yeah, first time since 2013. That was uh, pretty crazy. Uh, we don't want to get too deep down the game recap because uh, we'll save that for the Smoke Signals podcast, but we're going to talk prospects this weekend. I guess this is kind of prospect-related, kind of uh, relating to the game. Greg Allen now has a 13-game hit streak, and he had the uh, go-ahead two-run homer tonight to extend that hit streak. Uh, Just really quickly, uh, Justin, your thoughts on Greg Allen and his latest stint in Cleveland and how he's really been uh, productive for them this time around, especially when they needed him most. Uh, He's batting well over 300. He, like I said, got the hit streak going and uh, has come through in some key moments, uh, uh, really doing a nice job for himself. And I think that uh, you, me, Corey, some of the others on the minor league beat, this comes as no surprise because we know that w- what Greg Allen is capable of if he's given the uh, uh, playing time to be able to adjust to a new level. Yeah, he's always hitting the minors, not so much power. You're not expecting him to be a you know a 20 home run hitter. You're not expecting him to to go out there and you know slug 500. You just wanted to. You know, get on base at a 3.30, 3.40 clip, steal bases, and play good defense. And, you know, the, the home run tonight was really nice to see. Sitting almost, he's got a 4.20 uh, OBP during this hit streak. That's what you want him to do. You just want him to get on base. He gets on base, he can impact the game with his legs. And then he made a great catch in the game tonight. He's Right now, he's doing what he was capable of doing in the minor leagues. Now he's just getting a chance to do it at the major league level now that he knows he's going to be in the lineup every day. Yeah, this is a great just for him to be able to see him capitalize on this opportunity that's been afforded to him now, uh, unfortunately due to injuries and uh, illness. Again, we uh, wish uh, Leonis Martin the best in his recovery as he was released from the hospital and is uh, on the road, the long road back to uh, playing baseball again. But, of course, the first thing uh, first things first with him is uh, making sure he's uh, healthy uh, medically, and uh, so we wish him all the best there. But Greg Allen really stepping up when the tribe need, needed him, and we kind of uh, alluded to this before we went on the air. If the, Greg Allen wasn't playing the way he is now, the Indians are in really dire straits right now with that outfield. Yeah, it's I, I don't know who's who's gonna if so, if something else is to happen and one of these guys in the outfield, man, I don't want to think about that. But I don't know if they can survive another outfield injury like they're. They're an injury away from what I guess I guess would be Oscar Mercado. Maybe we're going to talk about him. So that's a good segue. Um, or what, Mike Mike Pappy? I was going to say Mike Pappy. Oh, I don't know. Brandon Barnes. I I feel okay with Brandon Barnes getting a shot. He's played pretty well in Columbus. He's you know is what he is at this point. But I guess yeah. Let's not even think about that. It, it's a uh, it's not as crazy as it's going to get, because who? I don't think any of those guys are coming back this year. I don't think Chisholm Hall, Naquin, or, or 
Martin is coming back, and obviously not Zimmer, so. Yeah, so uh, this is where, uh, well, Martin is going to be back. He's, he's under team control for another year, so. Uh, oh, I meant this year. Yeah, I just meant this year. Oh, yeah, for this year, of course, yeah. But uh, that's where scouring the outfield market becomes a thing, and uh, but then, you know, you wonder with Greg Allen playing well, Menke Cabrera playing well, uh, that's a whole other discussion for another show. But, uh, yeah, very happy to see Greg Allen performing at such a high level right now, and hopefully he continues to do so. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch because, as we all know, this is a guy who probably is one of the better guys to get to know in the minor leagues, Good guy to talk to. He's got a great personality of, and a love for the game, a respect for the game. He's he he clearly uh, loves what he does, and he's going out there to perform at a high level. Uh, that's his goal, and he's doing it right now. But uh, moving down to the farm system, you kind of uh, kind of uh, segued into it. Let's talk about uh, Oscar Mercado, who might be next on that depth chart. Uh, over the last three games entering tonight, I don't know how he performed tonight for Columbus. I can look that up. But the last three games entering uh, tonight on Monday, he was 4 for 7 with a pair of doubles, an RBI, three walks, no strikeouts, a couple steals, and three attempts. Uh, after batting well below the Mendoza line in his time uh, with Columbus entering the, that three-game stretch, he was uh, really struggling, and now he's uh, starting to hit the ball better, maybe getting back to where he was starting to find that form again. He had uh, earlier in the season with Memphis, now with a new team, a new organization, maybe starting to get comfortable again. But Mercado, uh, I think that him getting things together in Columbus is uh, not only nice to see, but could potentially be a necessity for the Indians because, uh, heaven forbid, somebody, something else happens. He is somebody they need to call upon. Uh, they would much rather see him uh, playing well than uh, struggling right now. Yeah, who knows? I mean, when guys get traded, things can happen. Like, I, and I'm sure what you think. You think Oscar Mercado, who's who's 23, was kind of a, I want to say, a, I guess ri- rising prospects probably the fair to say. I guess uh, he took a really big leap forward this year for them. I, I would imagine Mercado probably wasn't planning on being traded. I don't think. There were a whole lot. There weren't any rumors leading up to this trade, you know. So it wasn't like he was a top prospect that was going to like. It wasn't like Mejia, where everyone was talking about Mejia getting traded for whatever the Indians needed. So it probably totally came out of a surprise for him. So you never know what goes on in a guy's head when things like that happens, and it's a it's a whirlwind for a young kid. I don't even know. I haven't looked at what Mejia is doing in San Diego. So maybe I know he had a home run a couple of days ago, but. It takes guys probably time to get settled in. I, I would have to imagine, hey, he's got, what, four hits in his last three games, couple walks, couple steals. Yeah, it looks like he's finding his footing a little bit more. 14 strikeouts in uh, 49 at-bats, nine walks. That's not bad. So he's, he's getting on base still. Hits maybe just aren't coming yet and getting comfortable. It is, I think, no, I think uh, St. Louis's Triple AAA team Memphis is in the PCL, so... You know, it's, it might be a bunch of new pitchers for him, too. So, definitely yeah, think good, I, get it going. I think I remember reading somewhere where uh, going transitioning from the uh, Pacific Coast League to the International League was literally night and day as far as, like, the Pacific Coast League being really hitting dominant and the International League being more pitching dominant. So, maybe there, there's that adjustment process going on there, and maybe he's starting to figure it out along with everything else, getting his bearings with the new organization i'm sure that's all in play there and uh that's a good point because you know what the like you said the pcl is a really big hitting league and that that's kind of concerning i guess and in, in, for mercado's respect and for any other hitter that changes leagues like it's hard to judge guys offensive performances in the pcl like i know i know the mets whose triple a team is in las vegas they stopped sending some of their top pitching prospects there because they were just getting waylaid because of the offensive environment. Like they were, it was killing their confidence. So you wonder, now you have to wonder, like it's almost like the Colorado thing. You have to sort of weigh their offensive production in that league and, and see how much is real. I, I don't know anything about Memphis's ballpark specifically, but like you just said, the PCL is a hitter friendly league. So that's, that's a really interesting point to think about. And 
you kind of wonder about a guy's like you know true offensive talent level that way. Well, Columbus had the night off tonight, so uh, nothing new to report on the Mercado front. Francisco Mejia, by the way, uh, over his last seven games, batting three sixty seven uh, with a OPS over a thousand. He's got hits in uh, six of those seven games, including uh, four multi hit uh, efforts. So. At least it's going to be good for him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, going over to the PCL has got to be good, especially uh, when you're playing for uh, El Paso down in the southwest in the desert there. False flying. Yeah, so... Uh, he'll be up next month anyway. So he's only got, it like, what, another two weeks in the Myers, and he'll be up for the rest of September. Yep, most likely. So, uh, yeah, Mercado right now uh, with Columbus up batting a buck 84 with a three twenty two on base. I mean... Considering the fact he's betting one a buck eighty four, that's three twenty two on base percentage actually isn't terrible when you weigh it against that the batting average, and uh, he, yeah, obviously he's not going to be a big power hitter, so uh, yeah, he's got uh, nine walks versus fourteen strikeouts, so not a terrible, uh, not a terrible ratio there, and uh, yeah, overall this year still very solid two seventy four average, seven thirty seven OPS between. Uh, uh, St. Louis and, and the Tribe and uh, Memphis and Columbus more specifically. So uh, Mercado, I think, is somebody who's going to be interesting down the stretch. And once rosters expand in September, boy, it's hard to believe we're only uh, a couple weeks away from that uh, ro- uh, roster expansion. I'm sure we'll get to that in a future show. But, yeah, I think Mercado is going to be one of the guys called up. Do you think, yeah, you think the Indians will see him? I think Next so. I, think I, he, I don't know. He is, on, he, is he on the 40? I, I he know. is on the 40, man. I don't think they made it. They made a move to uh, take him off the 40, man, since the trade. So That's interesting. Yeah, maybe they'll use him as a pinch runner. I don't know. I guess anytime, anytime you can you know, use speed to affect the game, not, it's not their schedule. It's really difficult sometimes, but they're not going to need – you're, they're not going to need everybody in the 40, man, to come in and help make the playoffs or, or secure a top record like – I, you know, remember last year, the 22-game winning streak, I think. I don't know how many guys played. Like, remember, Gio Orcello was playing in every game because of defense, and they were pinch running with Greg Allen every game, and they were using everybody on the, on the roster during the winning streak. But, like, I don't know. I, I, with, when, if you have Greg Allen and Rajay Davis in the roster, what are you really going to do with Oscar Mercado? I don't know. I like, think, like you said, the pinch hitting, uh, maybe he gets in defensive substitution every once in a while, although be hard to substitute for Greg Allen because Allen offers pretty high upside defensively. Uh, but unless you're giving guys nights off, like, are you going to give, um, you know, I, I assume Michael Brantley's going to get some time off cause they definitely need him help with the playoffs. I mean, he's made it to this point staying healthy, which is great, but I'm sure he needs nights off. So maybe, maybe that's a way they bring him up is to get guys days off. That's not going to hurt. Yeah. And then Mercado has played, uh, in all three outfield positions. He profiles mostly as a, center fielder, but he's played a little bit in the left and a little bit in the right sparingly, but uh, he has time out there. So, uh, of course, you could put him in center and move, maybe move Allen to left or right or however you want to work that out, too. The Indians have seen him apt to do that as well, as they already have. But, uh, yeah, Mercado is an interesting September call-up. We'll get more into that uh, roster expansion discussion uh, probably next week and the week after, uh, but... For now, though, uh, for Mercado, hopefully he continues hitting well and, and continues to get his bearings uh, in Columbus. Uh, because I, I had said at the time of the trade, I think this is potentially an exciting pick for the Indians. I think that pickup for the Indians. I think that, uh, you know, there's a chance he could turn into nothing. You know, the next uh, Zach Walters or... Who, oh, man. Yes, uh, <laughs> or somebody like that. Guys who have the exciting potential but, you know, just didn't have what it took to uh, cut it in the major league level, but uh, I still think that Mercado, being how productive he has been in his minor league career and with the speed and everything, I think he could find a place somewhere with this organization uh, down the line, whether it's next next year or uh, the year after, uh, we'll see, but uh, moving on. I think that's, moving. Good, that's fair. Oh, well, one more point about that, too, is like we were talking about before was the 2019 outfield um, without Brantley and Chisholm and, and whoever else, you know, Martin's back. But so I guess what you have Martin, Naquin, Zimmer, if Zimmer's back next year, I don't know if he's going to be, but so you have Martin, Naquin, Allen, and Mercado 
is like your only outfielders under contract. Better find a way to get some power. I mean, you got some speed in that outfield, yeah. but not a lot of uh, not not only not a lot of uh, home run power, but not a lot of extra base power either. Right. So I yeah, I imagine that won't be the what they go into with, but. To your point, like it wouldn't be a bad thing for them to maybe get him up here and give him some at bats just in case at some point somehow he factors into 2019 given the uncertainty around the outfield. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, another promotion. We've been talking a lot about the internal promotions in the farm system the last few weeks. Uh, some notable ones like Bradley going to Columbus or uh, Nolan Jones going to Lynchburg. Another one that kind of slipped under the radar, but I think is worth noting is Ernie Clement going from Lynchburg to Akron, which I think uh, is due directly to the fact that uh, Willie Castro was traded to uh, the Tigers in the uh, aforementioned Leonis Martin trade, and uh, Akron has needed a shortstop ever since. You know, they've been mixing in guys like uh, uh, Matthias or, uh, or Krieger or uh, some, of, some of the other uh, infielders that you know, are not uh, shortstops by trade, but they can play there if needed once in a while. Ernie Clement, I think, is an in- interesting guy who now is going to be playing his, his third different affiliated ball level this year, which is pretty impressive for a position player or, or any player, posi- pitcher, position player. When you uh, make it up three different affiliated ball levels and you're a uh, you're a legitimate prospect, that that's pretty impressive and says a lot about your season. And you know, with Lynchburg in 33 games, he batted 346, the 425 on base, and a 421 slugging percentage, giving him an 846 OPS. So, pretty good, uh, pretty good numbers there. And then so far in Akron, four games, he's batting 313, 353 on base, and 313 slugging. But he's not a power hitter by any means. But this guy knows how to put the bat on the ball and how to get on base. And one walk versus two strikeouts so far in Akron. He had 15 walks versus seven strikeouts in Lynchburg, and then 23 walks versus 21 strikeouts in uh, Lake County, giving him 39 walks versus 30 strikeouts on the year. So, you know, two nice seven average, 370 on base, 376 slugging percentage. Ernie Clement uh, rose pretty quickly up some prospect boards after he was drafted last year in the fourth round, uh, including our own prospect rankings. And he is proving why with his uh, with his on base and bat to ball skills in his first full season, and now he's already up in Double A. Yeah, that's crazy. I I mean, I you probably could have argued he probably should have started at Lynchburg to be honest. Um, and especially after Luke Wakamatsu went down for the year, I think he probably could have been promoted even sooner. I don't I don't know what it, I think he might have been up already when Wakamatsu went down. Maybe that was the move. So I, I could be already playing into that, but. I just looking at what he did in Lake County, I think it was pretty obvious he probably should have started um, the year in Lynchburg. He was probably too advanced for Lake County, but it's really impressive that you consider look at the other guys who have done that. Like Shane Beaver, obviously this is the hitter versus pitcher is so different and, and Beaver's in the major leagues now, but like you know, Beaver was able to climb two levels last year. He made it from Lake County to Akron last year. And now Clement's doing the same thing on a kind of a different schedule. But, they, you know, they're the same profile. You know, Clement was a advanced college bat, and, and Beaver was an advanced co- college arm. So it's kind of the same thing. But, if you know, like you said, he doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's high contact. High contact's going to translate a lot better than a guy like, you know, where Will Benson is right now. Like, that's why he's able to advance, because he makes a lot of contact. And can stay with a approach that's going to be successful against guys who locate better. Cause you know, obviously in Akron in the Eastern league pitchers locate everything better. Uh, and they have a, a good secondary pitch up there and down in Lake County. You don't see that a lot at Lynchburg. It's a little bit better, but double A is where you see guys, you know, throwing breaking stuff for strikes and, and not just, you know, strikes, but quality strikes. And if you believe like you look at, I'm not, and I'm not comparing them obviously, but, like when you look at Lindor and Ramirez, okay, those two guys were, were high contact hitters in the minors, and nobody ever thought they were going to hit for any power. So there's some belief that power is something you can add as you move up and you can kind of learn when once you see major league pitching maybe. 
and I'm not saying Clement will, but at least his high contact approach will make it a lot easier for him to potentially grow into some, at least maybe gap power or like, you know, more than he has now, but the high contact approach allows him to hit good pitching, which is why he's already in Akron. It's a good sign for his future. And I, I, you're in Akron more than I am. I wonder how that really complicates things. Cause like you said, Matthias and Krieger are already there and Haggerty's already there. And I know Krieger and, um, Krieger and uh, Haggerty have spent time in the Alps, so that's really weird. They have all those people there now, and they're all second base shortstop types. Yeah, and uh, Krieger is actually profiled pretty well in the outfield. He's a, been a pretty good center fielder, played some decent uh, corner outfield. Uh, ha- Haggerty's been more kind of floating around outfield, infield more. Krieger has been more uh, moving to the outfield, and now he's been there pretty much almost exclusively. So uh, I, I'm not saying that he's, his days in the infield are done, but uh, I think that he has shown more upside, at least from what I've seen in the outfield, than he has in the infield. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But uh, Clement, I think that uh, it's interesting how, not to get too far, not to get off topic here, but you mentioned uh, Lindor Ramirez not showing power, being kind of the Clement contact type hitters in the minors. And uh, then they go to the majors, and uh, they're hitting home runs like crazy. And one of them's in in uh, neck and neck with uh, JD Martinez for the uh, home run crown. So uh, in the American League, so go figure that. And then meanwhile, you got a guy like Yandy Diaz who looks like he was built to hit home runs, and he's more of the uh, the contact on base hitter type. Uh, so uh, that's just uh, part of the beauty of baseball there. So a little side note there, but uh, I'm I think that. As far as power goes, you just you really can't predict it at this point. Clement does have good, decent extra base hit power. You know, he's racked up 21 doubles, a triple, and two homers. So that's uh, 20, 24 extra base hits on the year in 91 games. So that's not that's not a, a bad uh, number to rack up in that in that amount of games. And uh, he also has some speed, 16 stolen bases. He he has been caught 10 times. So he's a little, might be a little too over aggressive on the base pass, or maybe needs to be a little more selective, and uh, and needs to uh, judge the situations better when he runs. Excuse me, but um, I'd say uh, between the speed, the on base, the the uh, hit tool, which is clearly there, he can put the bat to the ball as well as anybody I've seen, probably. Probably bad as well. Uh, I would compare him to somebody like Yandy Diaz, who uh, just puts the bat on the ball so well, draws some walks so well. I think the, he's just got the added element of the speed and uh, and probably a little bit more uh, uh, defensive versatility. So Clement's going to be an interesting player to watch moving forward, uh, heading into uh, next season if he does indeed stay in double A, which he should for mo- probably most of, uh, if not all of next season, and putting him potentially on the map for a September call if he continues playing at this level uh, in 2019. But, yeah, that'll make things interesting. But, Clement, I, I've said before, I think the Indians are on the cutting edge of something that could become a real movement in baseball with the next big thing, which is – uh, re-emphasis on hitting for contact because I think, in my opinion, if you really want to combat the uh, the three true outcome league of strike out a walk homer, you got to get guys up there who can hit the ball like this and uh, hit put the bat on the ball consistently, put the ball in play consistently. Guys who aren't going up there look, uh, uh, looking to hit the ball 400 feet or uh, hit the ball or draw a walk. So. Uh, I think that Clement, guys like Clement are gonna are gonna help this game ultimately, and the more of them, the better. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you're right. As far as the forefront, I think a lot of teams are starting to look this way. Of course, the Indians are usually always in front on these things because that's the way they get their edge with payroll and all that. But that's not the discussion we need to be having right now. But there's also that belief that it's easier to help a guy be more selective with pitches or learn learn pitches he's able to, to drive for, for power if he already can make contact. It's like like I said before, like Will Benson's a guy who's 
who knows he can hit the ball pretty far and pretty hard when he makes contact. But making contact is difficult for him sometimes, whereas, like we said, Ernie Clement, it's the opposite, and, and it might be easier. And I think a lot of teams are, are finding this out. It's, it's easier to help him understand which pitches he can drive. And also, there is the launch angle factor to it, which we don't have to really get into here, but you can also help a guy, you know, make make swing adjustments. Not I'm not talking, you know, major overall. We're not going to talk, you know, Yanni Diaz needing to hit, you know, 40% fly balls here, but just, you know, subtle ways to get elevate the ball in situations. And, and Clement can be that kind of guy where, you know, if he makes enough contact, he might be a guy who can turn into that. Also, for what it's worth defensively, um, Eric Longenhagen, who is the fan, one of the fan graphs prospect guys, uh, thinks that Clement probably even profiles better in center field. So they haven't done that yet, but there's another element there, too, where some people think, some prospect evaluators think that he could also play the outfield. So I, I think that's the other thing we can talk about, too, is this positional versatility thing. The Indians obviously really value that, and a lot of teams do. But, you know, they're, you're seeing what they're doing with Krieger and they're doing with Haggerty. They could do it with Clement. So there might be a thing where you just keep throwing these guys all over the field and seeing where they stick and where they can help, as long as they're not named Yanni Diaz. I had to get that in there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's. I had to get All that right. in there. <laughs> We're going to try to avoid the Andy Diaz talk yeah. this week, but uh, yeah, it's hard to figure out their love for versatility, and yet they seem so res- resistant to do it with Diaz. I don't, I, it's hard for me to figure out, but I, we're not going to go down that road tonight. Uh, but, but you can see what they're doing in Akron, though, right, with, with Krieger and, and Absolutely, and yeah. Yeah, Tony Mancellino's been mixing and matching with everybody uh, uh, defensively this year. Good to see. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do it with Clement at some point too, if, if that, that's what people think. Yep, we'll see. But uh, all right, I mentioned uh, Nolan Jones and passing here earlier, but boy, I, we got to get to him right now because he is raking right now in Lynchburg. I mean, he's only batting two seventy five. He got out to a, a little bit of a slow start his first few games, but a two seventy five average, a four thirty one on base, and a four seventy one slash line. Uh, in 16 games so far, uh, that that is entering tonight's play. I mean, and he is drawing a lot of walks, and I man, I think he had 10 walks versus two strikeouts this past week. Um, and in Lynchburg so far this year, he had since uh, being promoted from Lake County, he has uh, 12 walks versus 15 or 16 strikeouts rather. So. His on-base percentage is well over 400 in 15 games since being promoted to Lynchburg. And I got to tell you, I think we said this at the start of the season, you know, when we did our prospect rankings, but in our, in our uh, season previews, but uh, Nolan Jones is pretty much falling right in line with our predictions in that he's becoming probably one, probably the most special hitter the Indians have had in, in the system, uh, at least now we can say since Francisco Mejia. I think that, uh, Jones possesses so much upside right now, and it's, it's becoming really fun to start thinking about where his upside might lead and how high it can go because he obviously has a great eye at the plate. He's got uh, uh, an on-base percentage right around 400 this year, uh, batting 278. And again, these numbers entering uh, tonight's play on Monday. He's got an 864 OPS total. Uh, 18 homers, that's a career high, uh, 16 doubles, 56 RBIs, and 106 games. Uh, first full season for Nolan Jones. Really, uh, he's really starting to uh, come into his own, and it's got to be exciting from here on out to, uh, for not only us, but a lot of uh, talent evaluators and prospect evaluators to uh, project his future from here on out because uh, it's fun. it's fun to see what he's doing right now. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Like he's he was good all year, and he got better as the year went on. Like that's one of the things I wrote about. And I did that profile on him a couple weeks ago. Was man, he just his OPS was up every month. Like he got better every month. When you're talking about first of all a 19, he I think he just turned 20, or maybe he won't be 20. I'm not sure. Um, but you're talking about you know a kid who's in his first full year of big of, of major of pro baseball. And it's August, and it's the longest he's ever played. You know, Nolan Jones played 
18 games. He played 18 games his senior year of high school in PA because of the weather. Um, and then, yeah, summer ball and all that. But, you know, these guys are coming to the ballpark every day and trying to, you know, put forth their best effort. And physically, it's the first time they're doing that. And you've got a guy here who's continuing to put up better numbers every single month instead of wearing down. A lot of guys get to the end of the season, and, man, they're tired because they've never played 120 games before. And this is the highest level they've ever played at. That's a lot to ask. And, there, and it's not a surprise guy for a guy, but he hasn't worn down at all. He's already physically filled out. I don't. I think he's going to get bigger, but he's already pretty much to where he needs to be physically for the most part. So he's already, you know, it's, it's a great sign, first of all, that he's keeping his endurance up late in the season. And then he started, he's starting to pull the ball. All of his, when he's got 12, 13 home runs now, 14? 18. And his, oh, it's eight, up to 18. Okay, so his, he's got what, one, one in Lynchburg so far? He's got two now. Two, okay. So his last home run in Lake County was pulled to right field. That was his first pull home run of the year. They've all been opposite field or, or to center field. And his last one in Lake County was pulled. His two in Lynchburg now are to very near right center, which it looks like it almost went 420 feet looking at the spray chart. And then his, his other one was to right field. So now you've got a guy who's also starting to pull the ball with power. I think just a lot of things are coming together for him. I, I'd be stunned. I think it would be an overlook if if other prospect evaluators who do top 100 lists going into the offseason, if he is not a top 100 prospect. If they're not, they're missing on, on him, and they're going to have to add him at midseason next year because I think it's exciting what he's doing now. I also think this sets him up to find his way to Akron next year. Now, now that he's made the jump late in the season to Lynchburg, conceivably if he has a good April, um, May, and June in Lynchburg, you could see him in July next year make the jump to Akron. That's great. And he's going to be 2021 next year. And he's going to be Akron. Yeah, he's 20, yeah. So he's going to be 21 next year. He could be in double A by midseason if things go well. So he's on a great track. I don't think things could have gone any better for him this year. Yeah, you talk about his OPS numbers just gradually uh, improving each month. You are not lying. I mean, April. 13 games, 684 OPS. Got a little off to a little bit of a slow start, but he had the knee injury early on that uh, kind of uh, uh, derailed things a little bit. Then May, 803 OPS in 28 games, so starting to pick it up. June, 852 OPS in 23 games. Uh, July, 923 OPS in 26 games. Now so far in August in 16 games, entering uh, play on uh, here on Monday. Uh OPS of a 1,051. It's it's really just uh, it's been a gradual improvement, as you said. And the home runs totals, you know, have picked up. He's driving in runs. He's still drawing a lot of walks and getting on base. I mean, that's the other thing. His on base numbers have gradually increased uh, over the span of from each month. I mean, 320 on one on base. In April, uh, 385 in April and May, 390 in June, 435 in July, 439 in August. So he, he's getting on base uh, even more month by month while still hitting for more power. So I think that uh, you take all that into consideration, and this is this is a hitter that's that's really budding into something special. And you know we we all might uh, we all might miss uh, Francisco Mejia and, and might be speculating about what his uh, talent will do for him in the majors and how he might pan out. And But it's not like the Indians don't have uh, another special hitter waiting the wings. And Nolan Jones, I would say right now, has a chance to potentially be better if his home, if his home run power continues to, uh, continues to develop the way it has and he continues to get on base. I think that um, while Mejia might have the special hit the hit tool and bat-to-ball skills that probably could be uh, special uh, on an elite level, but I think that Jones brings more of a complete package to the table. Yeah, it's he definitely makes a lot more contact than other guys. I think there's still some swing and miss to his game that he's working on. Um, 
I have to look. I, I kind of wonder about this because, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't strike out a lot, but he does strike out at an above average, not so good rate. Um, I, I want to look. I have to, I, I don't know where you can find this in the game logs, but I'd like to really see how many of the strikeouts are looking. Because to me in Lake County, he didn't really swing and get himself out ever. He went, When he went down in Lake County striking out, it was a lot of looking. It was like, because I'll be honest, umpires <laughs> umpires at Lake County and in the uh, Midwest League are not great umpires. They're not. You know, they're learning just like prospects. So I think sometimes he got out on bad calls, but I really noticed he went down looking a lot. So I think it's just him being super patient. So I kind of don't look into the strikeout totals a ton for him too, but I would, I would, I don't know if I have to go back to the game logs, but I also think that's something interesting is, is just how advanced his approach is at the plate that leads to him understanding what pitches he uh, should and should not swing at. Yep. And I think that, uh, yeah, there's, this is a real thing where hitters sometimes can be too patient and sometimes they get themselves out. I'm not saying that Jones does that all the time or he's not uh, justified in his decision to not swing sometimes. He might get a bad call here and there. But, yeah, I knew, I do know that some hitters are just patient to a fault to where they uh, they refuse to swing at pitches that are not to their liking sometimes to get themselves out. I've, I've spoken with hitting coaches about this uh, phenomenon, how different hitters have had that had that tendency where sometimes they do need to start to bring some of that aggression back into their game. I'm not saying that's where Jones is right now or that's what he needs to do, but it's something to something to consider. But uh, overall, though, very positive stuff from Nolan Jones here in 2018. How how close? Not to get off topic here, but how I think we I think we both agree that Tristan McKenzie is the organization's top prospect right now, and I I personally still liked him even more when Francisco Mejia was here. But right now, how close? Obviously, Nolan Jones is number two. How close are they? How close do you have them ranked? Like After this season, it's a lot closer than it used to be. I did think that Nolan Jones was, I think, heading into the season. I think we had him as our number three uh, behind, um, or maybe it was Bieber. Maybe it was Bieber three and, and Jones four. But either way, I think that there was, between the, those four, there was not much separation between those four as far as the uh, – uh, Indians' top prospects are concerned heading into this season, and I think that was based a lot on a, with Jones. It was based on a lot of potential, but I think now we have some hard results to uh, bolster his case a little bit. So I think the gap is getting ever more narrow between McKenzie and Jones as far as uh, top prospect status is concerned. Definitely, I think what keeps McKenzie ahead is the fact that he's 20 years old and is in double A and, and is having a lot of success. Even his numbers don't really look as flashy as they did a year ago. I think that's the only thing is that his age and his uh, numbers are still good given where he's at. But I, I, I'm with you. I think it's really close. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if uh, Nolan Jones can finish the season strong and just continue this steadily upward trajectory of uh, productivity, uh, both now in Lake County and in Lynchburg, uh, Definitely the Hillcats are in a playoff push right now, hoping to uh, secure the uh, Carolina League playoff spot for the second year in a row, uh, hoping to defend their uh, Carolina League co-title. Uh, of course, they had to share that honor after uh, Hurricanes ripped through the ripped through the Carolinas and the, the Mid-Atlantic region, and uh, they had to cut that series short. But uh, but uh, hopefully uh, Jones can help them in their in their push there, and uh, Ernie Clement can help uh, Akron in their push. So, uh, but uh, there's let's go down uh, to Arizona though, really quick, and talk about a guy who is back in action after missing significant time with a hamstring strain, and that is uh, Quentin Holmes, uh, Indians' uh, second round pick in 2017, and you know he's back in action. He played on. Last week, on Friday, uh, his first game back went 0 for 2. Uh, he has only played in two games so far. He's 0 for 4 with a strikeout. And overall, in his uh, career, he's only played in 43 games. Got uh, a 178 average and a 497 OPS. 
five stolen bases and nine attempts, two homers, five doubles, three triples, eight R or fifteen RBIs in forty three games. So nothing really inspiring there, but you know clearly this year missed a lot of time due to injury. Now he's back in action. Uh what do we what do we say about Quentin Holmes and where he is right now? He's still only nineteen, so it's not like he's really racing against the clock, at least not yet. But Holmes was a guy who the Indians uh, were pretty high on in the draft, and some probably raised an eyebrow as to why he was drafted so high and why the Indians had took such an interest in him. But uh, since he was mainly just a speed guy and at the time didn't seem to offer much else. But uh, I don't know. A, a year later, uh, where we stand on Quentin Holmes and uh, him missing a lot of time due to injury and his age and everything else I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, not getting out of complex leagues, you know, the the rookie ball in Arizona is really bad. Like, it takes some guys uh, some time to get out of there, and some some of them find their way eventually, and then obviously injuries play a part. But generally, if you have a hard time getting out of the rookie leagues and, and where your spring training complexes, like the Indians have theirs, it's really never a good sign. I mean, we can, I don't want to attribute to, I don't want to go with the same thing as like Brady Aiken, his situation, but it's just, it's really not a good sign for him. And I, uh, we were talking before the podcast, I don't really have a lot to offer insight on, on Quentin Holmes. I haven't seen him and I don't know a whole lot about high school players in the draft, like college is easier to track, but high school is so hard to track. And, you know, I'm not Jeff Ellis. Jeff is <laughs> knows so much. It's crazy. It's a credit to what he does, that he's got all this information on these high school kids. Um, I personally, just from what I read around, I didn't like the pick at the time. And you remember that was the year they didn't have a first rounder because of the Edwin signing. So maybe they went with someone who, you know, had a, had a high ceiling, but a low floor. It was a boomer bust kind of pick. And, I don't think it's fair to call him a bust right now, but what was his injury? It was a hamstring a injury. Yeah, yeah ham- that's not great for a kid who's who's probably his carrying tool is his speed. Like that's going to be the thing that's going to help him get to the majors, and then his whole game's going to be reliant on that. That's not a great great sign for him going forward. Plus the age, I don't know. It's I think he's in murky territory. He's definitely, for me, if we're talking prospect list, I was never that high on to begin with, but I don't even know how right now you can have him in your top 30. Yeah. In the organization, I should say. Well, I should mention, yeah, he also, I think we discussed on the show where the uh, prospect rankings came out that he had tumbled pretty significantly in the uh, prospect rankings. uh, I think he's down to like 29th, I think after being in the top 10. Yeah, he, he should be going down even further now. Like, I don't even think, I don't even think you can have in the top 30. I don't, I mean, when we do our rankings again, I think that's where it's going to be for me. Especially guys don't play. Like, it's one thing to not rank, like, or to rank, you know, guys like Bo Naylor and, and Lenny Torres and, and all these guys that just got drafted this year haven't played that much. But, you know, Holmes hasn't played because he's been hurt. You don't even have that. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he. Th- this is just a, a minor setback in his career. He can get uh, things going and prove that he was indeed worthy of that top round pick because the Indians need some of these more recent uh, top round picks, uh, Sands, Nolan Jones, to really start to pan out because, you know, between, uh, like I said, Brady Aiken and uh, Juan Hillman and. Now Quentin Holmes, uh, they and uh, Will Benson, they need they need some of these guys to to step up and and show that they can still be the top prospects and uh, future major leaguers that the Indians hope they could be when they drafted them because uh, uh, right now it's not it's not looking too great as far as the, that uh, recent uh, top round draft class again outside of uh, guys like uh, McKenzie and uh, Nolan Jones. Boy, thank goodness for McKenzie, man, because they, they took Aiken and Hillman the same year as McKenzie, I think. That yeah. was all draft. If, not, if McKenzie hasn't panned out the way he did, that draft looks absolutely disastrous. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then the Will Benz and Noah Jones thing. I mean, if you would flip those picks, that would look a lot better. And 
yeah, you pick up Nolan Jones early in the second round. Uh, that's a that's a that's a nice pickup for the Indians, and uh, hopefully Will Benson uh, figures things out. But uh, definitely makes that pill a little easier to swallow. I'm not giving up on Will Benson either. I think. Oh, the pe- you can't with his power. You can at this point in his, in his age. No, okay. he's still confident too. I, every time we talk to him, he still feels like he's improving, even if it's not showing up in the field. Like. He's not losing confidence. That's a huge thing for guys like that. Well, I'll tell you what, Justin. Um, we had another, uh, some more stuff to get to, but we'll save that for uh, another show. Uh, what do you say we get to our Player of the Week picks? And, uh, by the way, Corey is going to continue to participate in this, uh, in this, even though he is uh, not on the show. He'll be sending him his pick uh, remotely. Uh, but... As for right now, let's go ahead and review last week's picks. Uh, I had, oh boy, did I did I uh, lay a big one this week. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Yaner Diaz, guy who's been tearing the cover off the ball in Arizona this year. Uh, one, he only played in three games. And two, he only had one hit in those three games. So that's an even 100 batting average. Uh, one hit was a double, but and he only had a walk and a strikeout. But... Just not much doing down there for Diaz, and uh, I think between uh, splitting time with him and uh, Bo Naylor and another guy down there, uh, Michael something, who's really hitting well, but a catcher, uh, it's hard to find playing time, I guess, for these guys. But uh, yeah, I, I was I thought Diaz would be a, a safe pick, but uh, just didn't have the playing time and uh, didn't really do much with what he had, so. Uh, uh, Corey had Tyler Freeman, uh, another safe pick, and Freeman just, man, just continuing to do what he's done all season long. Uh, eight hits and 20 at-bats over six games. He had five doubles, three RBIs, three runs scored, a walk and a strikeout, a stolen base, good for a 400 average, and an OPS over 1,000. So he clearly takes the, uh, the win this week and probably could have taken the, uh, the player of the week a win this week, if not for the aforementioned Nolan Jones, who, over the last week, six games with Lynchburg, 17 at-bats. How about that? 17 at-bats in six games, because in uh, 10 of those uh, plate appearances, he drew walks. Uh, 10 walks, two strikeouts, 353 average, as he was uh, had six hits in those 17 at-bats. Uh, homer, three doubles, three RBIs. Uh, OPS of uh, nearly uh, 1,300. Uh, so just who couldn't uh, who could be more deserving right now than Nolan Jones than the way he's playing this week? Uh, Ten walks in versus two strikeouts in uh, six games this past week. That right there alone is impressive. But then you add the other n- numbers on top of it: the homer, three doubles, uh, he's and. The high average, high OPS. He's just doing it all right now, and uh, Lynchburg is uh, lucky to have him in their lineup. Hopefully, he hopefully they make the playoffs. Hopefully, they stop having games rained out down there too, man. That's been frustrating for them. They've had a lot of rainouts since he got there, and I think they're in first place. Um, I I think that I think they, they were a game and a half up. Yeah, they're a game and a half up, or they're at least in the wild card chase uh, with second half standings. I mean, they finished. Uh, last in their division in the first half, but of course, with the a, way A ball works, uh, you get the first half, second half season splits. So, uh, uh, Lynchburg right now is in the playoff hunt in the second half standing, so, uh, they're clearly, uh, in the middle of a, of a division chase and a, a championship race right now, so hopefully, uh, Jones continues to be productive, as I said, and hopefully, uh, he can help, uh, Lynchburg defend their title, so. Uh, yeah, congrats to Corey on, uh, on a win this week. He's starting to open up the gap more again in the, uh, standings. Uh, we're coming to the end of the season, and we'll have our Farm Report, uh, Players of the Year, our season-ending awards here, uh, before too long after the playoffs end, and, uh, we'll come, we get to the end of our broadcast season. But, uh, for now, uh, uh, Tyler Freeman gets Corey uh, a few more points in the standings and, and a win this week, but... Otherwise, congrats to Nolan Jones. Uh, so, let's uh, go ahead and make our picks for next week. Uh, Justin, you're back 
you're back in the fold. So uh, as the guest, you I'll let you have first pick. Boy, uh, I'm tempted to go with Ernie Clement and see if this new, if this, if his newness in, in Akron kind of helps his scouting report out and gets a couple hits now that he's healthy. But um, let's see, when does he start again? It's, it's. I'm looking at Tristan McKenzie right now. He started Saturday, so he's only gonna get one start. So I don't know how you guys are gonna are looking to pitching, but I kind of would go with McKenzie because his last start he had eight strikeouts and six and two thirds. And seven of the eight strikeouts were swinging. So I, I get the feeling he's starting to make some adjustments in, at double-A now that he's got 14 starts. I think he's gone through the league a time here, and he's starting to make some adjustments. So I guess I'll take kind of a risk and go with a pitcher. I don't know if you guys have gone with pitchers this year, but I think I'm going to go with McKenzie just because I think he's starting to to figure things out even more. You definitely go out on a limb a little more with pitchers because you don't know how many starts they're going to make in any given week but uh, or how many appearances they're going to make if you go with a reliever. But uh, we have had uh, pitchers who have earned that that Player of the Week award. So uh, And McKenzie is definitely a guy who is probably going to be a, a safe pick. So, uh, yeah, he seems like he's starting to get on a roll in Akron. So I, I respect that pick. Um I'm going to go with the guy who we mentioned just mentioned earlier in the show because I think he's a guy who can really start to heat up uh, once he finds his bearings, and that is Oscar Mercado. I think that uh, now he's in Columbus and seems to be getting comfortable, I think he's going to go on a little bit of a hot streak here, go on a tear and uh, get back to being the player he was uh, before the uh, Indians traded for him. So I uh, might be... Going a little bit out on the limb there. He might go right back to hitting, batting above 50. Who knows? But uh, I'm going to go with Oscar Mercado this week. And Corey sent me his pick earlier today. He's going to go with Giancarlo Mejia, who has been a very, That's somewhat a surprising, pick. somewhat surprising, but very uh, productive nonetheless uh, addition to the uh, uh, Lake County captain's rotation. And uh, I think he started tonight and pitched pretty well in a losing effort. But, uh, so he, Corey's already off to a good start there, but uh, but he has been somebody who's Ooh, been yeah, mentioned yeah. In, this, in this form before, and uh, obviously putting together a really nice, uh, solid season uh, in the rotation for County. Nine strikeouts, seven innings, five hits, and earned run, no walks. There you go. Yeah, he is. That's a great pick, man. He is really. I like Mejia a lot. I guess another name we're going to talk a lot about in the future, man. He's having a great season. Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. As a starter, at least, I, I thought he could be a reliever. I mean, he and uh, he and Eli Morgan kind of uh, surprised me. I thought both were uh, ticketed for the bullpen in the future. They still both still might be, but they've really proven themselves to be uh, effective starters uh, this season. That's I guess so. That's going to be a guy. I think it's going to work his way. I don't think we ranked him this year anywhere. I know we uh, we wrote about him for Diamonds in the Rough, but I don't think we really garnered much attention preseason prospect list from us, but I think he will next year. All right, so uh, Giancarlo Mejia for Corey, Oscar Mercado for me. You got Tristan McKenzie. Let's see if you can uh, uh, try to narrow this wide margin that you've uh, made for yourself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll see how these uh, standings shake out here. It's going to be fun here going down the stretch. Uh, but uh, final thoughts for this week. Uh, Justin, what do you got? Boy, I, well, I'll probably piggyback on Corey's a little bit, too. You know, no, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with, with Tyler Freeman. We talked about so much today with Ernie Clement and the, and the whole contact thing and, and trying to get, you know, learn to hit for power later on where we're making contact. Tyler Freeman's kind of the same mold. I think he's, he's having an even more impressive year. Now, granted, Clement's declined three, three affiliates this year and um, Freeman's in Mahoning Valley, but... I kind of see a lot of the same things in their profile and the way Freeman's hitting. I think it's another pick in the same mold. And I think I like where the Indians are going with those picks. I like, I like that development philosophy. And I'm really curious to see how Freeman's hit tool continues to carry in the next year. I wrote this week too, that I think he's a guy who could easily do the same thing Clement's doing where he could get to Lake County next year and, and find his way in Lynchburg really early on and maybe force his way to Akron. Yeah, Tyler Freeman, coming off that injury, he's really been motivated, as we've mentioned before, and uh, is showing that he 
what it, what you can really do when you put your mind to things. And uh, he's clearly got the talent to back it up, and he's going to be interesting to watch uh, in both the prospect rankings and him on the field in years to come. Um, my final thought this week is going to have to do the guy we talked about last week, uh, Kirk McCarty, who, man, this guy just continues to pitch well. His last time out, as I pull up his numbers here, uh, just continue to uh, put together really good numbers uh, now in Lynchburg after uh, really pitching well in Lake County. Uh, seven innings, four hits, one run, six strikeouts. He has uh, an 0.69 ERA, one run allowed in 13 innings since joining uh, the Carolina League. And he's only got one walk versus 12 strikeouts in 13 innings. So, McCarty, I think, is a guy everybody should keep an eye on. I think he's a guy we could be possibly mentioning in the same breath as uh, guys like uh, uh, Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savale and Eli Morgan, the guys who are top pitching prospects in the organization right now. McCarty, seventh round pick, former seventh-round pick, I think is somebody who could join those ranks as well, uh, along the side of, like, Sam Henkes and uh, a lot of these other guys – uh, in the organization who really made names for themselves. McCarty, I think, just based on his second-half uh, stats alone, I think is uh, proven that his uh, top-round draft status was no fluke. And him being a lefty is, uh, is a nice uh, nice added bonus as well. And, you know, he can strike guys out, He and uh, he seems to have found something in the second half that's working for him. And McCarty was really interesting in Lake County this year. I... It was good to see him get the promotion for sure. He was pitched really well, and he was one of the really more reliable guys in that rotation early on. All right, so uh, also uh, kind of a joint final thought. Uh, just if you haven't been to any of the minor league affiliates this year, just get out there before the uh, the Indians pennant race really starts to get going here, and you know he's watching high stress baseball for the next couple months. Get out to a minor league game and really enjoy just the. Uh, the pleasantries of baseball and how and how uh, fun it can, how fun it can really be. Not that I can have fun at a baseball game right now with the Indians, but uh, you know you get to watch some of these prospects. It, it's it's really fun to do in a low key kind of low pressure environment. You want to root the teams on and see them win, but it's more fun just to go out there and when you're prospect savvy people like us and just watch these guys perform and see what they can do uh, in person. So. Uh, Time is running short to do so on this minor league season here in 2018, so be sure to go out there and do so when you, whenever you can. Justin, uh, before we go, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I had the prospect hot sheet today, and uh, I should be at Lake County this weekend, so I know we're working on some coaches corner stuff. I won't get too much coaches corner stuff from Lake County, but that'll be coming as well, obviously, once we the whole site, everybody gets that nailed down. That's always that's something I'm really looking forward to once we can figure out which coaches we're talking to. All right, yep, uh, looking forward to that. We got yeah, season-ending stuff coming. Hard to believe the minor league season's almost over. I it's sad. Uh, it really is. It's 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 the saddest time of year, and that's almost over to me. Yeah, and uh, but we got playoffs, and we got a few teams look like they're going to be heading to the playoffs. So it's not going to end when the regular season ends. We're going to see some got some teams go out. And uh, play in some postseason baseball and see some of uh, the organization's best compete at a high level. So that'll be fun. Uh, f- for me this week, uh, Rubber Ducks Notebook is coming up uh, probably around the same time as this uh, podcast when it gets posted. Um, I'll have four thoughts again this week. We'll have smoke signals coming up. Uh, Bat- we should be back on a regular schedule with that and then the Hillcast Notebook. Uh, didn't have one last week uh, due to. Uh, birthday celebration stuff, uh, but I'll be back with that this week. And uh, hopefully uh, Coach's Corner will be coming soon. Uh, I talked to uh, Rigo Beltran with Akron and got, had a great conversation with him, so that'll be coming up soon, too. Uh, watch for that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake B. Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can follow the uh, show account at Smoke Signals IBI. Get uh, podcast links, uh, poll questions, all of that good stuff there. The uh, official account for the uh, Indians Baseball Insider site is official underscore IBI. Uh, links to stories, 
uh, breaking news, everything you can find there. And you can always hit us up on Twitter to talk baseball, talk prospects, whenever you want. Uh, we're always up for it. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a nice rating, spread the word. That is all we ask. And until next time, for Justin Lada and for Corey Christen, we wish you well, Corey, and the Farm Fork Podcast. I'm Jake Dumnan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIVI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.